Praise the Lord. The Lord has risen. Amen. Amen. He has risen indeed is what people usually say, but that's okay. Let's try it again. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Yeah. He has risen indeed. I'm Pastor Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, If you want to follow along with the notes today, they're available for you at mynewhope.in. And uh, just go to the events page and they'll be right there for you. Uh, Really want to honor my dad. Thank you for... Uh, this opportunity to speak to our church today. Uh, I honor you for all the years that you've been serving us and continue to serve us, man. You're the OG. Let's give my dad a hand. Sometimes I call him the OG, which is like slang for like the original gangster. Like, yeah, he's the man. And he asked me like, what's the OG? Does that mean old guy? I'm like, it does now. Love you, Dad. Uh, I, I also want to um, welcome everyone at every location. I welcome everyone joining us online, whether live or watching later in the week. I want to say hello to our uh, ministry uh, at the assisted living communities around us. You'll see us next week. Uh, we love you. We're glad that you're joining us. I want to say hey to anybody who may be worshiping in the Unity Hall. We love you. You're, I know you're over there. And of course, obviously, I want to worship the uh, not worship, I want to, I want to welcome the people worshiping in this room here at our Waterloo location, and how exciting is it that this time next year, we'll be welcoming people at the South Auburn location as well. How exciting is that? We're going to have, we're going to have two churches meeting on 427. One mile north of DeKalb High School and one mile south of 11A. We're going to cover the county. I'm excited for that. If this is the first time you're hearing about that, please come up and talk to one of our pastors. We would love to explain just a little bit more about that uh, and have a little conversation with you as well. And why are we doing that? Why are we doing another campus? Because there's more lost people. There's more lost people. And Jesus loves them. So we're called to love the people that he loved. So we're going to go as many places as we can to take the message of what Jesus did on that Easter weekend to as many people as we can. Why did he do it? Why do we do it? All for love. That's the name of the message today. All for love. I have a question for you today. Have have you ever worked on a project and it didn't quite turn out like you thought it was going to? I just outed all the men whose wives have Pinterest. I hate Pinterest. I didn't hate Pinterest. Then my wife got Pinterest, and now I hate Pinterest. <laughs> it, just, it just means a project for me. And the, they all stink. I'm not good at that stuff. And every time I try to work on something, it just gets worse. I wind up making it worse. But one one uh, uh, situation comes to my mind. Way back, I, I moved, you know, I lived, lived with my parents, and then I got my own house. They lived in the country, and now I'm in the city. And I thought, now that I live in the city, I'm going to enjoy, like, the benefits of city life. And I'm going to get myself a garbage disposal. Never had had one. Like, how cool is that? You could just put your stuff in the sink and... So I'm going to get myself a garbage disposal. I don't need to call a plumber for that. I can do it. So I went out and I bought myself a garbage disposal. And I followed all the instructions. And I put the garbage disposal in the sink where I wanted it on the, the proper side. And I'm like, okay, there it's there. And now I know I need, like, the pipes. I need to have pipes out of the garbage disposal. And so I went 
to the store and I got like a kit of garbage disposal pipes. And you may say, Pastor Adam, pipes isn't very spiritual. This is Easter. Hey, he plunged me to victory. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so I, I, got some, I got some pipes. I had no idea what I was doing. It's my first ever plumber job and I just started putting some stuff together and I'm trying, trying to make it work. And see, I understand how water flows naturally. I've seen a river, and I've never seen a right angle in a river. And so for water to flow, like, I, like the right angles don't exist in nature. So there wasn't a right angle in my, in my compression fittings. It just was all kind of whopper-jawed. But it, but it was all connected. And so I thought, okay, this will be good. Now I'm going to test it. So I turned the water on. I didn't even have to turn the disposal on. I just turned the water on, and just, it was leaking. I'm like, oh. Turn the water off. I'm just watching it leak from the fittings. I thought, what, what can I do? Maybe it's like it's like I need to seal it. Just, it's, like, it's like that's the problem. I just need to seal it. And I just thought and I prayed for wisdom. And then I had this memory of an infomercial I had once seen. <laughs> Big or small, mighty putty does it all. So I went to the store and I got some mighty putty. I thought that's that's what I need. I just need mighty putty. Because if I get some Mighty Putty, and I can just, just put it on really good on my fittings, then, it'll, then it will like, it'll seal, right? That'll do the trick. It'll seal. So I put some Mighty Putty on, I turned the water on, and it just kind of started leaking. And the Mighty Putty started cracking a little, and I thought, okay, I get it. I get it. I learned my lesson. I know what the problem is. I didn't use enough Mighty Putty. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I got back in the car, went to the Mighty Putty store, and I bought some more. This stuff ain't cheap. Somebody has to pay for those infomercial places. And it was me that year. <laughs> Should have bought stock in Mighty Putty. So I got more Mighty Putty, came back and added more, because I thought, this, this is what I need. I, and I just started covering it. Uh, Turn the water on, and it started cracking, and a piece of Mighty Putty just fell off. And I'm like, okay, and like water's everywhere. I'm like, okay. Okay, I've learned my lesson. I know what I need to do. I need to let the Mighty Putty solidify and dry. I didn't wait for it to dry. That was the problem. So I started all over. I took everything off. I went to the store, bought three packs of Mighty Putty now. Because I had to have enough. And at this point, there's more Mighty Putty than there is pipes in my contraption. And I, I put it up and then I... Didn't touch it for like a week. I didn't use my kitchen for a week. I didn't do dishes. I mean, I, no, I probably wouldn't have anyway. But I didn't do any dishes or nothing. I didn't use my sink. I just kept out because I wanted this to dry, to put a little heater underneath because, you know, like for clay. Like, remember art class, you had to like use a kiln. So I turned my kitchen into a kiln because I wanted the Mighty Putty to solidify all the moisture out. I wanted it to be dry. And I'm like, this will work. This will work. And finally, I turned the water on to do a test. And no, no longer than the water came in play, it was like, I'm trying to simulate it, but it's not working very well. A pipe fell off. <laughs> it, just, it just fell apart. I'm like, okay, I give up. The harder I tried, the worse I made it. It just got worse and worse. Have you ever done that? Can you relate? Have you ever worked on something, and the harder you try, the worse it got, the bigger mess you made? Am I the only one? Come on, come on, guys who have wives that use Pinterest. 
I know you're out there. The, the harder you try, this is the worst it gets. And sometimes it's not a, not a DIY project. Sometimes it's something in your life. The harder you try, the worse it gets. What is up? Or maybe you've experienced the opposite, the, the inverse of that. You didn't think something was going to turn out very good, and then it turns out way better than you thought. Maybe, maybe you, you tried a recipe, and you're like, eh, I'll throw some stuff together, and, and at dinner you're like, wow, I'm, I'm good. I'm a good cook. I nailed it. Or you, or you thought you weren't going to pass a test. Turns out you got like a B. Or you thought you were going to get a B and you got an A. It turns out better than you thought. Today is the day that the whole world recognizes the finishing of God's plan. It turned out exactly how God planned, but way better than any of us ever could have imagined. Easter is about the greatest plan in the universe coming into fulfillment. And Jesus finished on the cross, and on Easter morning, he finished a plan that had been at work for generations. Why? For love. It was all for love. Maybe you haven't been familiar with this plan. I just want to review it with all of us. See, God created mankind, Adam and Eve. Those were the first humans that God created. And pretty much right away, I think, they rebelled against God, and sin came into the, the world. And the harder Adam and Eve tried to make things better after sin was in the world, the harder they tried, the worse things got. And so that, that's, that's in Romans 5. Uh, Paul wrote to the church in Rome. He says, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. And this sin is separation from God. God can't look upon sin because he's a holy and just and perfect God. So God loved us. He loved people and he wanted to be with people, the people he made. And so he took matters into his own hands and he sent Jesus to fix what we messed up. Paul continues in Romans, but there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. So everyone was guilty of sin, all of us. Nobody had to teach you how to lie to your dad. We all were born into a world of sin, and, and therefore we're, we're separated from a holy and perfect God forever, and everyone deserves punishment. If you want justice... Justice is somebody's got to pay. The penalty for sin is death. So we all deserved this penalty because we've sinned. But, but Jesus, God's son, did not sin. He lived a sinless life. Jesus had a disciple named Peter, and Peter wrote a book, and, and in it he describes Jesus. He said he, he committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. Of course, this made the religious leaders feel threatened. They had him unjustly uh, tried and then crucified. John gives us this narrative. He says, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Isn't it amazing? Jesus at any moment could have been like, nope. <laughs> On the cross, at any moment, he could have said, all right. It all would have been done. He chose to stay there. He chose to give up his spirit. Yes. 
the soldiers took charge of Jesus. He led them. Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified him. And with, with him, two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. And there he was with great suffering. Jesus died. Thinking about us, Jesus died. And there on the cross, before his death, he, he had a few statements that he made that were very significant, important statements. But one of the most important, one of the most famous statements Jesus made on the cross was this. In John chapter 19, it says, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Those three words, it is finished. In those three words, there's a great amount of destiny. There's a great amount of hope. The world changed with those three words. It is finished. So that begs the question, what did Jesus finish? I want to give you three things. Three things that Jesus finished. Number one, he finished prophecies written about himself. Jesus finished prophecies about himself. See, for the Messiah to be the Messiah, for the Messiah to be qualified to be the Messiah, scripturally, the Messiah had to fulfill hundreds of Old Testament prophecies. And these aren't just things that somebody could just take a little checklist and go do them. They were Old Testament prophecies of things that surrounded the Messiah. So all these, a lot of circumstantial things. What are the odds of that just happening? Well, people way smarter than me figured it out. They mathematician people. The odds of that just happening are similar to, to this. Imagine the, the state of Texas. And you pile in the state of Texas a whole bunch of uh, half-dollar pieces, 50-cent pieces. And you pile them up two feet high. And one of those, before you started one of them, you put a red X on it, and you just tossed it in the mix and mixed it all up, and you threw two feet high of 50-cent pieces in the state of Texas, and then blindfolded a dude and say, all right, go get the one with the red X. And he runs in and picks it up on the first try. How likely is that? Worse than that. It's not rare. It's, that's, what are the odds? Those are the odds of one man just happening to do, fulfill all these prophecies. And upon Jesus' death, he says, it is finished. He finished the prophecies about himself. Who could do that? God. God could do it, and he did. Here's the second thing he finished. He finished the plan of redemption for mankind. He finished the plan of redemption for mankind. See, God wanted to destroy the power of sin. When sin entered the world, we were separated from him, and he didn't like that. It wasn't, wasn't that he's mad at us for sinning. It was he wants to be together with us. But he was a holy and just and, and perfect God, and a holy and just and perfect God cannot mingle with unjust sin. And sin had gripped power over his creation. And so the, there was only one way that he could destroy the power of sin without destroying us. And that was Jesus. That was Jesus. Jesus didn't sin. We deserved the crucifixion. We deserved to die. But Jesus didn't. And so his sacrifice count, can count for ours. And it wasn't just that he, he didn't stay dead. He conquered 
death. He beat it for love so that we, the sinful we, can also die. Our, Our sinful part can die. We die with him. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Next week, we're going to have several people get water baptized. And that's symbolizing dying with Christ, the, dying with Christ, the sinful part of me, dying, and I'm resurrected into new life. It's an outward sign of what happened on the inside. I hope you come back next week when we're, we're going to be, be able to witness that baptism, those baptisms together. Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he says, For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. So if we die with Christ, we can be made alive with him in his resurrection. If I'm making sense, say, mm-hmm. Yep. That's the plan of redemption that Jesus finished on Easter. He redeemed us. We deserved the penalty. The ticket was ours. The check had been brought to us, death. And Jesus says, I got this. Let me redeem that check for you. I'll pay it. And he finished the plan of redemption for all mankind. But that's just the beginning. He made a way for us to be saved, for us to believe. He made a way for us to believe. But believing is not following. Believing is the start of the journey. Hope you come back next week. We're going to start a series called Follow Me. And in the Follow Me series, we're going to look at what it actually means to follow Jesus. Here's the third thing he finished. He says, it is finished what he finished. He finished the ultimate picture of God's love. He finished the ultimate picture of God's love. Jesus himself said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. One of my favorite verses is Romans 5.8, when Paul describes that Jesus did all of this on the cross, he did it all for love. He says, now it's rare to find someone willing to die for an upright person, although it's possible that someone may give up his life for one who is truly good. But think about this. While we were wasting our lives in sin, God revealed his powerful love to us in a tangible display. The anointed one, Christ, died for us. Why? For love. He loved us. Church, we have a creator that is very much in love with us. Every one of us. It's unconditional love. And that can be really hard for some of us to understand, especially if you were raised in a situation where love seemed to be conditional. Whether it was or not, that's beside the point. But maybe you were made to feel that being loved was a matter of how you did. If you obeyed, then I loved you. If you got good grades, then, then your mom loved you. If you did what dad said, then he loved you. You had to, to earn love. I'm sorry. If, if you looked at your dad and you never saw unconditional love I'm sorry that can be really hard for us to understand what unconditional love of the father means 
when we've never seen it. So stop looking at your father and look at your other one. Because your heavenly father loves you unconditionally. There is nothing you can do to make, you, make, make him love you anymore than he already does. And there's nothing you can do that will make him love you less. That's what unconditional love means. It's not love, I'll love you if, I'll love you when, I'll love you so that. Nothing we do changes the amount of love that God has for us. In fact, Paul just wrote, I just read it, while we were wasting our lives away in sin. Do you think Jesus didn't know how big of a booger we are? (laughs) He knew. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing full well who he was dying for. The terrible things that we would do. He knew. And he still died. Why? Because he, that's, that's unconditional love. Yes. He didn't love us because we were good. Come on. He loved us because he made us. Yes. 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 Come on. When we step into that, we can be made pure. All right, I'll get to that in a second. Just because it's hard to conceive of God's love doesn't mean it's not true. Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus. Uh, there's a city in the old times called, called Ephesus. It's still there. And uh, And Paul wrote to to the Ephesians there, and he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and how high and deep is the love of Christ, and to to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. I love that line, that we may be filled with the love that surpasses knowledge. Did you know that Jesus loves you more than you think he does? That's a factual, according to that, that's a factual statement for everyone here. I don't know how much you think God loves you, but he loves you more than that. It doesn't mean it's, it surpasses knowledge. That doesn't mean it's not knowable. It just means you're never going to actually figure it all out. You're going to spend the rest of your life trying to fathom the amount of love that God has for you. There's not a brain smart enough to fully comprehend it. It surpasses knowledge. How do we know? We can, we can see it in what Jesus did on Easter weekend. He died and came back to life for love. Yes. For love. And that's what he finished. So what? Why does it matter? What's the finished work of the cross mean to us today? Let me give you four things. The finished work of the cross means something to us today. And it means four things. Number one, it means a reconnection to the Father. A reconnection to the Father. Sin makes us orphans, but the cross makes us children. Second Corinthians says, And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Here's where this gets interesting. You can be wanted. You can be wanted. What Jesus did on the cross creates a situation where you are wanted in the family. Here's the second thing the finished work of the cross means to us. It means reestablishment of a home. Reestablishment of a home. Sin makes us homeless. 
And the cross makes us heirs in a family. We don't just get a little apartment. We, we get a home. That's in, we inherit it. Uh, Romans says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Here's why this matters. You can belong. You can belong. You, you can be wanted and you can belong. You don't have to wander through the world wondering where your spot is. If you've been, Lord, show me a sign. Where's my spot? Here's your sign. I'm giving it to you. There's a sign. You can belong in the family of God. Look no further. You found your spot to belong. Years ago, Michael W. Smith wrote a song, looking for a reason, wandering. I forgot the words. I want to find my place in this world. My place in this world. You find your place in the world when you step into a, yes. a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. He gives you, he, give, he gives you, he wants you, and then he, he gives you a place to belong. Here's the third thing that the finished work of the cross means to us today. It means reassurance of the eternal. Sin made us destined to, to die separated from God. That's what sin did. The cross undid it. It makes us eternity bound for heaven. Here's why that matters. You can live. Yes. You, can be, you are wanted. You can be wanted. Yes. You can belong. Yes. You can live. Yes. The book of Hebrews says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. A, I'll do a high kick, but I split my pants open. I'm not going to do it. You can live. You can live. See, when, when my pipes finally fell apart, at that point, I thought, enough is enough. I don't know what I'm doing. And it took me a lot to, to actually admit, I have no idea what I'm doing. I can't handle this. And I took a big step of humility, and I looked up the phone number of a plumber, who, interestingly enough, was about the same cost as all the Mighty Putty I bought. <laughs> and I, I honestly expected that plumber to come in and improve upon my pipe job. I thought he might just, oh, well, you did it this way. It should have gone this way. I thought he was just going to improve upon it. But he didn't improve upon it. He had a little twinkle in his eye, and he said, okay. And he took out everything I did. <laughs> he threw it away. And he put in something that worked. Something that stayed solid. And he put it in and tested it, and there wasn't even one drop of water. That's what God can do to your life. Don't invite, don't invite God into your life expecting him to approve upon your best efforts. Jesus didn't come. Jesus didn't die on a cross and come back to life to improve your life. He came and died so that you can die too. He came to kill your life and give you a new one. Because we try all we can. We're never going to pull it off. We're just going to make it worse. But God 
Well, he plunged me to victory. Yeah, I got the flow, he says. Yes, I got, I'm, in the, I'm in the flow right now. And that's what God can do with you if you trust him. If you trust him. That's number four. The fourth thing that the finished work of the cross means for us is reignition of your spirit. Reignition of your spirit. Sin left us dead. And the cross installed the spark plug. What's the spark plug do? Nothing. Unless you turn a key. The spark plug's just there. You gotta turn a key. And then the engine does something. Boo! Sin left us dead. The cross installed the spark plug. Here's what that means for you. You can start. Yes. Believe. Yes. Our spirit, God created, created everything alive. Anything God makes is alive. Our spirit is alive. But in this world, it dies because we inherit sin. So mankind's spirit was alive and then it died. And the finished work of Jesus on the cross put a spark plug in, so to speak. Not literally, but it put a spiritual spark plug in. And what it takes is belief. It takes admitting you're a sinner, believing what Jesus did on the cross, paying the penalty for you, and your spirit can be reignited. It doesn't have to stay dead. Your spirit can be alive. And that just begins the journey of following Jesus. We'll talk more about that next week, the journey of following Jesus. It's not automatic. You may have heard for years, Jesus, Jesus died for you. Yes, he did. That doesn't make you saved. It's like there's a bridge, but I'm not on the other side. Jesus put a bridge there. Jesus put a spark plug in. But we got to turn the key if you ask for help. I have a friend who, uh, as, as an adult, I, I grew up with him. We were in like, kindergarten. He was in the same kindergarten class at me, as me, and I just knew him for a few decades now. And as adults, I talked with him, and I said, hey, when was the first time that you made a decision to follow Jesus? And he told me, he says, Adam, it was, it was about in third grade. You invited me to come to an Easter service. And I did. He goes to another church, but I invited him to come to a special Easter service, and he did. And he said, and at the end, the pastor gave people a chance to raise their hand if they wanted to receive Jesus. And I did. I raised my hand up to receive Jesus because I believed what he said. And I thought, I want that. And I raised my hand, and that was the day that I started my relationship with Jesus. I found out 20 years later, it was me inviting them to church. I was just a third grader. I want to give you that same opportunity today to, to raise your hand to say, I believe in that. I believe in that, and I, I want to make that decision. I want to jump there. If you're in this room today, if you're in another room today, if you're worshiping online, can we all close our eyes, bow our heads? And if that's you, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. 
I don't care if it's the first time or the hundredth time. Sometimes we need to rededicate our life to him. Right now I'm gonna ask the spirit to do a work, only what he can do and draw you to him. Lord, you're the only one who can draw a spirit to you. You own all of us and only you can do this. So I pray that you would do the work that only you can do and pull, pull hearts towards you. hear my voice, I want to encourage you at the count of three, make a step of faith. No one's looking around. I want you to make a step of faith in front of God that you want to accept him and make him ruler over your life. You want to step into a relationship with him. If that's you, raise your hand nice and high as a sign to the Lord on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise it up nice and high. Hallelujah. Those of you worshiping online, there's a spot for you to raise your hand as well. Click it. The click doesn't save you. Our hands raised don't save us. It's a sign to God that we're serious. You can put your hand down. Can we all together repeat after me this prayer? Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I'm imperfect. And I've messed up. I want to have a relationship with you. Thank you for dying for me. I receive your gift of salvation. And I confess that you are my Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Can we all stand together? Welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. You belong, you have a home, you just started it.